Um, Deanna, that gel for hot and cold was incredible. It got me through a lot of days in Hawaii. Um, Kelly, that machine, I couldn't get it to work. I tried it four times. I don't know. I changed the batteries, but I was so, every time I put it on, I was trying to get it to work. But I thank you, everyone, for all your prayers for me. Yes, it was a real cross to go to Hawaii and have to spend time on my back. Uh, I remember this first place we stayed, looking up at the ceiling and having at the fan. And after a while, I began to realize that there was a lizard hanging upside down on, on one of the beams. And he must have hung there for an hour. And I'm thinking, what a miracle that God created this guy. He could hang upside down. And then all of a sudden, he'd run. So two feet would be hanging onto the beam. And you're thinking of gravity, thinking like, it has to be a miracle that these guys can do what they're doing. And so I learned some things about nature while I was on my back. Uh, it wasn't the experience I thought I was going to have in Hawaii. Um, people were saying, oh, you're coming back. You're all refreshed. Actually, I, I felt like i come back so stressed because I felt like uh, there were things that I wasn't able to let go of like I usually do when I go on vacation. The last time I went to Hawaii five years ago and our kids came, uh, it was our 10th, it was, it was our 30th anniversary. And I remember as we were flying over on the plane, I remember the Holy Spirit just lifting the responsibilities of this church off me. And when God lifts that responsibility off of you, you can have a vacation. This time, I did not feel that responsibility lift. And I, in fact, in, in prayer the other day, I was just thinking about this. And just someone said to me, they said, um, you, 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 the yoke on you, which is God puts a yoke on us as ministers, and it's a, it's a place of responsibility. But his yoke is easy, and the spirit is light. But sometimes our flesh gets a hold of that yoke, and it becomes a weight. And this person said, the, the yoke has become wrapped around your flesh has gotten wrapped around it and I thought that is exactly what I just felt I told him that is exactly what that's exactly what God's saying to me I have not been able to let go of my responsibilities and so part of even what I feel like my 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 sciatic nerve going out was like because I am almost 65 but I push myself and I push myself and I push myself and I carry responsibilities that are not mine to carry and God what what I go through is like God is trying to deal with me to let go and you know, you know those places where we get strong in our flesh and we can do it? You know, we learn a little bit of religion. We learn a little about God and we take on responsibility. We do things in our own strength and we're not resting God. And it takes the weaknesses of our flesh and the weaknesses of, of what we go through to unwind us and to, to take us back to that place where we're humble before God. So that first week, it started on uh, July 1st on that Thursday. It started, that sciatic nerve went out. And I, I was on my back off and on that first week, and, you know, Jack was here, and I hobbled around, went down to the rally, hobbled around with him one day, and then just kind of nursed my back, on my back, you know, and off and on, and th- then spoke that last Sunday before I, we went on vacation. And uh, like Jack says, when you're, when you're in the pulpit, there's no pain. You're, you're feeling great. And that whole day was incredible. But then getting up on Monday, I'm just dealing with that, that pain, not being able to sleep at night because if I lay down, I, I cannot get relief from that pain. So I'm either up in the middle of the night walking with an ice pack in my back or, or I can't sit down, so it's on the couch with my feet up. So it's been really just kind of crazy. But uh, I felt like it really led to a message today that I felt like is for all of us. And I love the prophetic mic because even the things that were said today has to do with what we want to talk about today, recognizing God's love in the wilderness. And the key verse today is 1 John 4.10. In this is love, 
not that we loved God, but that he loved us. I think this is a great place to start. You know, we have that on the sign outside, God's love changing lives. We all start off experiencing God's love, and then suddenly we, we get involved with ourselves. And it's such a balance between flesh and spirit of walking in love and letting God love us or us trying to do it on our own. You might think about your relationships. Maybe if you're married or, you know, you started a relationship with someone. You ask the question, how did that start? How did this love relationship start? Did someone start loving you first? Did they give you attention? Did that person you fell in love with, were they an irritation at first? Were you like, why, just get away from me. You know, I don't even want you to be around me. This is a hard verse to receive when we are trying to be good for God. You know, so often we begin the race and it begins receiving God's love, and then we start working for it because we know we're sinful. We know we have habits, or we know we have things that are going to affect our relationship with God because we read things in, in His Word that say this kind of attitude uh, he, he doesn't like. And so we get into, we slip into this attitude of like, I've got to work for it. I've got to earn it. When we fail and need God, this verse assures us we can get, let our failures go. When we were away from God's love, we did not know him. So we just did our own thing. We were unconscious that we were unconditionally loved by God. The world talks a lot about love. People are always trying to love. Songs and movies and books are about love. People want to be able to love. This verse hits us hard because we don't know or we don't love very well. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. I think all of us need to hear that today. You are loved right now unconditionally. It's not that we love God, but it's that he loved us. And, and somehow, if you could just camp on this today, and get in that receiving mode where you're letting the love of God come into you, it can change everything about your relationship with God. It can let the love of God that is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit be released through our emotions and our thoughts when we don't want to love, when we're afraid to love, and we don't trust to love. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Recognizing his love during the wilderness. In the desert, God's love has not left. This is a whole new way or a whole other aspect of recognizing God's love. It's great when God answers our prayers, when we feel God's love, when provision comes our way, when we see everything good happening, when you get that promotion at work, when you get the attaboys, when, you know, your kids are being perfect, when you get that gift that you wanted for Christmas, you know, you can name all those things that make you happy and make you feel loved or make you feel like God loves you. But what about when you're in the desert? I'm so glad the why came up today, Dory. I'm so glad the prophetic words, Savannah, what you said. So what God wants to say to us today. In Luke 3, 2, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zebedee, in the wilderness. God brings those he loves into wilderness. God develops ministers in the wilderness. Deserts, wilderness experiences change our priorities. Sufferings break us, 
the world loses its priorities over us and we come into a place where we can understand God and understand his love in a greater way. While Ananias, or while, while Annas and Caiaphas were religious leaders, the God of love had been preparing John for ministry. While Annas and Caiaphas were steeped in religion, and you might say a spirit of religion was on them, God was developing a minister to break through the religion and to break through the monotony of religion and to bring the Messiah onto the scene. Wilderness. Pain is in the wilderness. Death and grief are part of wilderness. Losses, suffering, physical pain. Places we haven't chosen to be in. Distractions from life we would choose to live. I remember that first week being on my back and thinking, well, God, here I am. You know, when I'm feeling good, it's about you. Now I'm not feeling good, it's about you. I'm just going to thank you, God, because I know you're, you're going to do something. I was thinking a week, and I was going to be back on my feet. I'm rested. Heaven, everything's good again. That first day in Kauai, I woke up. I was on my back, had my feet up on the couch, had my position all set, and I was just there laying on the floor, just rejoicing in God. God, this is, you're awesome. The next day, I was going through attitudes. I, I was irritated. You know, we think when we see something about ourselves and we identify, okay, God, I know I think things have to change, and you got me in this place where you're working, but God knows sometimes it takes a little bit more time in the wilderness for him to work deeper. Our mind, will, and emotions, our soul has to be penetrated for God to get to our heart. And for our heart to be set free, a lot of times our soul, our mind, will, and emotions holds our heart, and that part of us that connects with God holds it in prison. And so there's a breakthrough that has to happen, and God deals with us. Like Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Just settle it. You are going to have troubles in this world. But God is going to use the wildernesses and the tribulations and the trials in our life to reveal his love. And for us to recognize that love can be seen and I can identify God is with me when I'm in the wilderness and when I'm going through the wilderness. Remember, God brought Israel after 4,000 years out of bondage in Egypt. But where did he take them? Into the wilderness, into the desert, into the place where there was no supply, no water, nothing. Be aware that love will lead you to come to some difficult places. I want you to get that established today, that God so loves you, he's going to take you through some difficult situations where you're going to be tempted to think, God doesn't love me anymore, he's left me, I've done something wrong. No. If God loves you today, if God loves us while we were sinners, like Romans says, while we were in sinners, Christ died for us. You can know, even if you can identify some things that are not right in your life, that God's loving you and God's working for your benefit. And God's not done with you, but he is going to show you that his love is there when you're in pain and when you're in suffering. And when circumstances are not what you think, or when your prayers are not being answered, and when you think, I'm going to stop praying, or when you think, guess you don't really care. Don't stop praying, but keep believing God loves you. Jesus loved Peter. Here is what love said to Peter. John 21, 18 and 19. Jesus said this to Peter. Most assuredly, I say to you, Peter, when you were younger, 
You girded, your, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. How many know that sometimes in our Christian life? We, everything's great. I can remember my early Christian life. Oh, yeah, praying, people seeing things done, miracles, answers to prayer. But when you were older, God said, quit your job and go start a church. You will stretch out your hands and another, the Holy Spirit, will gird you and carry you where you don't want to go. Wow, God, that's your love? This Jesus spoke, signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. In other words, follow where the love of God will lead you. Oh, God. You know, in those moments when we're feeling the Holy Spirit, when we're getting prophetic word, ah, oh, heaven. But the next day when God begins to put you in a trial and a test to get you to where he said he's going to take you in that prophetic word, that's when the fire comes. That's where disillusionment comes. That's where discouragement comes. That's when you feel like, where are you, God? You just gave me this grand and glorious word. Now what is going to happen? Now what's going on? Or God gives you a word about prosperity and you lose your job. You lose your house. You lose something that you think like, this is very contrary. You just said you're going to do this and now I'm going through that. That's the love of God that's at work. Because you're not to your destination yet, just because you're in the wilderness. Love leads Jesus to the wilderness. Luke 4, 1 and 2. After Jesus was baptized in water and baptized in the Spirit, Jesus, full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit, that is the maximum amount of love. Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led. What? What's wrong with you, Holy Spirit? Led in by the Holy Spirit. In some places it says that, and this is the only place where it talks about the Holy Spirit driving anyone. He's always leading. He's always gentle. But for Jesus, it says he drove Jesus into the wilderness. It was so important that Jesus go through the test and the trial, but he went with the love of God surrounding him. For during 40 days in the wilderness, in the desert, where he had and was tempted, tried, tested exceedingly. That's a little bit more than just a normal test. I think that's more than any of us will ever go through because Jesus was going to pay for the sins of the world and all hell was out against Jesus. They didn't understand the mystery of what was going on in Jesus, but somehow they knew this Jesus is an important person. We've got to see if we can trip him up. Tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were completed, he was hungry. The testing and the trial will break your soul and self-life. It will break your self-confidence. It will break your spiritual confidence that's out of your flesh and out of your humanity and will take you to the very depths of what's in your heart. And a lot of ugly might come out when you're in the test. I'm telling you, I saw some ugly while I was, while I was in Kauai. And it wasn't the beauty of nature. In fact, my first day when I was experiencing God, I wrote, Ah, paradise, the heaven of God. Kauai is just an image of what you have on earth of what heaven is going to be like. The next day, I didn't feel like that. I, I want to, it's interesting too, I, I love how God speaks to me. I really keep my face in the word of God, but there are times when God sends me a certain book and I've been reading this book for three months. It's called The Face of the Deep. It's by this young pastor. Pastor Pastor is his name. His name is Pastor, but he's a pastor. So it's Pastor Pastor. 
the face of the deep. And he writes so poetically. And I, and I talked to the person who gave me this book, and I said, I know you've read this book again, and you, you're reading it again. I go, what about this? And I read this paragraph to the person. They say, I can't figure that out, Bruce. I don't understand what that means. So I'm thinking, what is it about this guy? He's writing, and sometimes there are nuggets in there that are so profound, and then sometimes I don't even know where his head's at. I don't even understand some of the words he's using. I'm getting dictionaries out trying to figure out what is this guy trying to communicate. Frustrated, and Dory goes, why don't you just put the book down? But every so often, I'll pick that book up, and right where I am reading, God is speaking to me. And I'm going to be reading a lot of quotes from this guy today because it's right what he's talking about, the wilderness that God sends his kids through because God loves us. And this is the first quote. The wilderness can be a place that you walk to or a place inside of you or a place inside of another that you love. Sometimes your wilderness experience will come out of what your spouse is going through or your kids or a friend, and it touches you deeply because you're so connected with them. But nevertheless, God uses all deserts and trials and experiences, even with those that are around us, so that he can work on us also. Wilderness, it can be death. It can be fasting. It can be loneliness. The loss of children conceived the loss of children unconceived. It can be excruciating. It can be obvious pain. Or it can be dully, painfully, ordinary, a struggle so meaningless you blush even to share it. And it is usually walked out alone. Sometimes just the boringness of the Christian life, the routine of reading your Bible, taking your time with God and not feeling connected with Him, the routine and waiting for God to fulfill his promise. And when you look at your day, you think like, where are you, God? What is the meaning in life? Life is so boring right now. As a Christian, is this abundant life that you promised? This is all part of what God uses in the deserts and in the wildernesses of our experiences that we might know God and that we might know the love of God to a whole nother extreme and extent, not just when things are good, but when things are not good. Stripping. The wilderness is where the Spirit takes our masks away, where our own hearts are flayed. I felt like this last couple of weeks, things that God spoke to me. The first week we went to a, a, a church um, in Kauai. Just Dory looked up, we found this church, we went to it. I mean, the way uh, the pastor had just been on vacation in, in Alaska, and so his daughter-in-law was speaking, but she was so on fire. She, she cut me so deep. The next morning I woke up and God was pointing his finger at things that he didn't like about me. And when you are, when you raise a Christian in a Christian home and you try to be a good person, in fact, I've told you this before, my sisters kid, kid me and call me the good boy. My mom always says, oh, he's the good boy. So mom, my mom was 65 years old. Don't keep calling me a good boy. And I'm not good. I needed to be saved and God had to work on me from eight years old on. But to see the routines and the religiousness that had set in on my heart and God began to reveal, Bruce, this is some stuff in your heart. This is some stuff in your heart. You're doing all the right things, but your heart is not right. I felt so bad. I felt so guilty about myself when he spoke to me on that Monday morning. He woke me up at 2.30, my good old pain. And, I began, and he began to talk to me. He had talked to me in a dream. He talked to me again when I got up. He showed me places that had been there for a while. I had to say, God, I'm sorry. 
It's so hard. More like when I get con- corrected, I'm so used to trying to correct myself or work on myself or beat myself down. But Dory encouraged me, Bruce, it's not about you. You've always tried to be a good person. It's about you thanking God that he showed you and just simply saying, I need you, God. You're right. What you said is right. I cannot change it. I'll try to be better. I'll try to be good. And that's all about performance. And it's not about what you want to do and what only you can do. So what a wake-up call. I felt like I was flayed, just like this guy said. I'm thinking, and right where I start reading, I start reading all this stuff. Oh, my. I, I hate this writer, and now I love this writer. I don't think he knows what he's talking about. He's so poetic, and now he's speaking English. <laughs> Wilderness, where faces of devils and angels, once obscured by rocks and birds and lust and thirst, stare at us. In those places in the wilderness, when you're removed from everything pleasant, when you're removed from anything that would bring you pleasure, and you're stuck in this place, God can show you what's going on in your heart, what he wants to change, and what only he can change. If we can believe it, even the bitterest wrestlings with the Spirit out in the desert is for our good. That's hard to believe. And I saw places in my soul this week, this last couple weeks, that, you know, I had this stubbornness. And I'm talking to God, but I see this stubbornness in me. I see this place where I want to do it. I want to be a good person. And Jesus said, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot train our soul to be so religious and good that it's going to be appeasing to God. He's going to kill it. He's going to kill even good religious flesh because it's just flesh. It's not him. And it's so easy to train our soul to be a good person, to train ourselves to be good people, and yet have our heart apart from God. Sometimes in our marriages, we give people service and do everything we can, but our heart is far from them. That's what God's getting to. He wants to get to the root of the heart, and only he can let the love of God empower us to truly love people and be good. But it's out of what he's doing in and through us. It's by the refinement that goes on when we get to the bedrock of what's really in our heart. The good of his beloved is what the wilderness is for. We must sometimes suffer wounds before we can be bound again. Ouch. I had to go corrected. I went to Kauai to get corrected. Why couldn't I get corrected over on Carousel Drive? <laughs> really, God, you brought me all the way here? And for me, it brought up a lot of painful memories of growing up, you know, not having a lot of Vacation for us was going to the beach once or twice in the summer every year, of always working at church, always laboring. And so it kind of stuck me in the wrong way. Like every time I go on vacation, it's like I'm sick. Last year, you know, went and spoke in Nevada, and be, I was sick even in Nevada. We were sick for like almost eight weeks, but really missed about three weeks here. But being sick and then coming back through uh, Tahoe, we, were gonna, we got two extra days we are going to stay there. We came home early because we were sick. We figured we might as well go home and be sick. And it just triggered that again. Here I am. I'm in Kauai, God. I'm trying to, you know, be with my wife, and she wanted to go kayaking. I can't do no kayaking. You know, and here I am flat on my back, and I'm making her miserable. You know, and she's out swimming in the pool by herself, and she's taking walks by herself. Where am I? I'm flat on my back. So it brought up familiar things, and it was attitudes that I had to work through. God, okay, so if I never go on vacation like I want, God, here's my attitude of have to, I have to trust you that you love me. I have to trust you that I'm going through this, but your love is the same. Whether I get what I want or not, your love is unconditional. 
your love is constant. It's a love that is there in the wilderness. We must sometimes suffer wounds before we can be bound again, made better again, made wiser than before, bearing the scars of the wilderness as witnesses to the nearness of God. This, too, is love, if we can accept it. Usually when I go on vacation, I think back, and I go, yeah, last week I was doing this at this time, and I kind of reminisce about the good times. When I came here this home, I'm not even thinking about Hawaii. I'm not even thinking about Kauai. Nope, don't even want to think about it. Because God was still working on me. And there's a part of me that's accepting what I went through those two weeks because God was dealing with my heart, because God was touching areas that were not right. This too is love, and I'm beginning to accept it. Wind in the wilderness. It is the wind of the wilderness dry and cutting if necessary, that blows our own thoughts out of us and the Spirit's knowing into us. I could say, yes, it wasn't that great for me in Hawaii, but for what God was doing and the Spirit's knowing, the humbling I went through, yeah, it was worth it. It is the wind that will eventually allow us to see though our eyes be closed and hear though our ears be deafened. My eyes were open. I knew how to pray. I knew how to read. But there was a callousness in my heart. There was a deafening in my ear to really hear. It's just the Holy Spirit in John will speak to us and he'll correct us. But I had to have a little suffering to get me down so that I could have ears to hear. I had to be broken in my own self-will so I would have ears to hear what God wanted to correct in me. It is the Holy Spirit, the wind of the wilderness, that flings us into the desert like ragdolls, cradles us out there like children, feeds us like the ravens above Elijah's creek. It is the wind that seeks to polish us with the sand to let the erosion of the grit reveal our truest contours. Who we really are is what's going on in our heart and what's part of our attitude. That's what God cares about. But for all of this, who wishes for the wilderness? You know, again, when God says he's going to test us and try us and we get a moment of prophetic and we're all happy about it, it seems good. But when you find yourself in the middle of a trial, you think like, what's this all about? I didn't buy in for this. I didn't want this. You know, the wait, I think, of 17 years and the prophetic words yet to happen over this place has made me feel heavier this last year. This next month, in, in August, this, we're going to start. At the end of August, it's going to be 17 years that, since we came down here. I think 17 years has kind of broken me down inside because of people that I brought from my heart to. People have, have lost their lives or, you know, not gone on with God. The things that I've borne inside have weighed on me. And it's the wilderness of doing God's will that sometimes wears us down. <laughs> the ache in our heart of miracles that didn't happen and the whys that we ask God all the time. When you're a pastor, you ask a lot more whys because you're trying to watch over a lot more people and your heart goes out and you're 
you're saying, God, why aren't you doing something? But you come to the realization that people, God has people in different wildernesses, and he is with them. And the love of God is there, and he wants them to recognize that love and to realize he is doing something incredible. Here's a, here's a powerful thing you want to write down. Will we thank him for the wilderness? Is there a wilderness that you're going to be able to thank God for because you realize today that God is loving me? Or maybe it's a wilderness you're going to reflect on from the past where you're always wondering what happened and God simply wants you to say thank you because out of that, something in your character was developed, something in your faith was developed that you're not identifying with that negative experience. But what are we to make of a spirit the spirit of the same Jesus who knew the pain of wilderness so well, who not only accompanies us into the desert, but throws us into it. If it is true that he is the wind at our back, blowing us into places abandoned by men, places hard to live in and dry, places of thorn and curse and cruelty, places of sun by day and the wild by night, then what are we to say to him for such treatment. Thank you. How many times have we thanked God in the midst of our trial, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our pain, saying, thank you? I haven't done it. I'm starting to see the benefits, but I really have to thank God that things didn't go my way, that I was flat on my back watching lizards on the ceiling. I wasn't even watching TV. Thank you, Lord. In my self-righteousness that I really saw, in my religiousness that I saw this last week, I had to thank God the last few days for correction because it says he loves those children of his and he corrects those he loves. I mean not presumption, and I speak this in faith. If we cannot say thank you for the d- desert, yet then is it likely because we are still in it? I tell you, the desert, when God's working on us, it brings us to tears. It breaks the pride and hardness out of us. It's not fun, but when we're broken, even though it may feel shameful to show emotion because you feel broken in your heart, it feels so good to really be broken and right with God. It's worth everything. I fear that in the wilderness, we turn to sources other than God for relief. I was thinking about my back. Okay, I started off I'm taking my ibuprofen. I went to my chiropractor. I went to my doctor. And you know what I'm really looking to? I'm looking to God. Because obviously he's been working in this. And I think sometimes when we're in a wilderness, because there are so many alternatives, and there are so many remedies away from God and apart from God, I wonder if we're missing the benefit of the wilderness and the desert because we're seeking relief from a source that's not God. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, but I'm saying keep going to God and whatever you do, keep your eyes on God and keep being open for what he wants you to do.
I fear that in the wilderness we turn to sources other than God for relief. Answers from the world? Answers from non-godly counsel? No. Stay close to God. Stay close to godly men and women and godly counsel that will help you in the wilderness. But keep turning your eyes to Jesus. God asked Elijah in the wilderness, What are you doing here? The ancient question hangs, as it did for Elijah, over the mountain, over the hot bedrock of the desert. But we might as well ask it of the asker, God himself. And who knows if we will receive an answer that human ears can understand. God, he only promises love. No answers, not ease, only love. Silence. It's one thing to enter a a trial, but have God be silent? I told you that first week, here I am, God, in my house, my feet up. Here I am, I'm yours. But when the child continued, he was silent. Or so I thought. And silence was beginning to get my attention off myself. I had spent the week, went to the doctor. I was a good boy doing everything I was supposed to do. I was getting cracked by the chiropractor four times. But now I still had my back pain. But thankfully, I had the gel from Deanna that allowed me to get a few more hours of sleep at night. But I had to wait. I had to wait in silence. God wasn't answering really quick. Why? Because he was getting, breaking through to my, my heart. And it was taking a while because... We're so in a society, we want instant answers. We want quick relief. And so when it's not coming, we go to those other sources. I'm telling you, God is going to take you to a place where you're going to have to say, I can't look anywhere else. i got to look to you. And even though this is silence right now, I know you're here with me. It's really irritating to be in silence and to not do anything and be in Hawaii. The sacred silence of our interior becomes the void, the good and empty place into which the Spirit can speak. Like a kindly predator, he leads us into the desert places to separate us from the herd, to get us alone, to approach from the flank, out of the sun where our peripheral vision is hazy. He pounces and tumbles us in the sand and the grit, either roughly or gently, away from the noises he carries us or flings us from the dullness. Elijah, after powerful demonstrations of nature, God spoke by the thin voice of silence. Remember we talked about that about a month ago? That He went through all that, but after all that, God wasn't speaking. After he'd been there a couple days, then it was that thin voice of silence. In silence, God began to break through for Elijah. It takes time in the wilderness to separate from what's been happening. Desert wilderness breaks the soul down so we can hear the Lord. The silent treatment... Anybody ever gotten the silent treatment or given the silent treatment? We give the silent treatment because we have our walls up and we don't want to let down. And we get the silent treatment, people doing the same thing back to us. And we hate both ways. It's easy to give the silent treatment, but we we hate to get the silent treatment. And when it comes to God, we're the same way. God's tenderness comes in the wilderness. In Hosea 2.14, the Lord said, Behold, I will allure her, Israel. We're spiritual Israel, and he's still alluring us. We will allure her 
and bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly to her heart. I tell you, in your wilderness, God's going to speak tenderly to you. God's going to reveal himself to you, and he's going to make things the way they should be. I love this next part. His presence and absence. You've got to think about this one. His presence and absence. The desert, like all places, is the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Presence and absence. Remember what Paul said in Corinthians? That Jesus was the rock that was with Israel the whole 40 years? Presence but absence. He was present, but they couldn't recognize him with their natural eye. And yet he was the provider in the wilderness. He's the abundance in wilderness. Presence and absence. And though he may cast you there, he will fling himself alongside you. Rough as sackcloth, gray as ashes and good. He does that so that in the emptiness, like so many before us, like Jesus himself, we might find fullness in the absence and presence, which is his. This famous scripture, Romans 8.35, we're to see God in our trials. Paul the Apostle reminds us of God's constant love for us. Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Do you feel separated from the love of God right now? Well, after this message, you know it's a lie. Feelings, situations, circumstances are not accurate because God has purchased us by the blood of Jesus and extended his love to us. And so whatever we're going through, we have that assurance that he is with us. James 1 and 2, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped or encounter trials or any sort of, uh, of any sort, or fall into various temptations, be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith out of endurance and steadfast and patience will come. And my final verse, Job's 2.10. After Job's, in the midst of Job's trial, and during Job's trial, he said to his wife, You speak as one of those who are foolish women. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Will you stand with me? In the closing 10 minutes, maybe you'd like to just come to the altar and just maybe talk to the Lord about wilderness, talk about maybe what you're going through. And people, if you want prayer, people will pray for you. But let's just believe that God's love is going to continue to reveal himself to us. And we're going to see it from a whole new perspective every day from the rest of our lives to realize that nothing is separating me from God's love.